And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. You know, photography, in Greek means photolithographic writing, but it's an expression of a single person in a single image, like painting. Cinematography has a kino as a designus, means motion. Motion will be, means that uh, we need at least some time and multiple images to express itself. It means that you need that beginning, an evolution, a developing, and the end. In, in order to do that, you need several people to participate in through this project, like an orchestra. Like an, an orchestra, we need the director. Because cinema is practically uh, an art that needs, it nourishes itself from any other art. That's why it's been called the, the Ten Muses. So we need the, the, the literature, we need the architecture, we need painting, we need music, we need philosophy. Only when you put all this art together, you can create a cinema, a movie together. Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. And episode 135. And we have a guest. Yes, we do. <laughs> we're having a lot of those lately. <laughs> um, we wanted to talk about all manners of filmmaking. Right. And the one that, I'll be honest, I've been around it for a long time, and even I scratch my head sometimes at some of these names, you know. And one of them that I scratch my head over is cinematography. Right. So I thought, let's go get us a cinematographer. And we got one. And we got one. <laughs> um, a few, uh, a, a while ago, a month or two ago, maybe a little more, we saw this trailer yeah. for a movie called It Stains the Sands Red. And we both kind of perked up because both of us are always looking for zombie movies that have something different to mm -hmm. offer because so often... There, you know, let's face it. There's zombie movies. There's not a lot. You, yeah. that, that Take it from a there. guy who's done a lot of words <laughs> on zombies. Yeah, there's zombies. And uh, and one of the things we noticed was how good the the mm -hmm. film looked uh, 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 visually. Yes. Um, and toward that end, we welcome today Clayton Moore, the director of cinematography for It Stains the Sands Red. Hello, Clayton. Hey. How's it going? Good, good, good. I want to say at the outset that we got a chance to see the film over the last couple of days and uh, man it looks good it's so pretty it is so pretty dude you know what it reminds me of um the, a lot of the hitcher the hitcher kept coming up into onto my palette as i was watching it big expansive shots of nothingness right um sort of symbolic for the isolation of the main character right it's just beautiful stuff yeah it's it's it, it's it's right out of the john ford uh <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, John yeah. Ford, motherfucker. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to start by saying, um, asking a, 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 it seems to be our question, our opening question all the time. Is yeah. I always want to know what kind of people our guests were as kids. Were you a kid that was always tinkering with, with cameras, or did it come later, or how'd that go down? 
yeah, actually, um, I basically first, you know, got interested in films and everything, uh, probably as a lot of us did from like Star Wars and Indiana Jones, you know, all the, the classic trilogies of our youth. Um, but yeah, that, that really got me interested in, in movie making. And then, um, in my teenage years, I, you know, my, my parents had a, a, a camera and I would, you know, frequently borrow it and, uh, you know, make little movies with action figures or models. I'd be lighting cars on fire in the backyard and, uh, be getting in, into a bunch of trouble doing that stuff. But it was great. And, uh, I just, I was hooked and, um, you know, me and my friends would make, we would make Star Wars spoofs all throughout high school and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, that was, it was kind of been in, in my blood since I was very young. So Clayton, did you, uh, did you wind up going to school? Um, initially what happened was after I got out of high school, um, I went to school for graphic design and, uh, I, I wanted to focus on more of a post-production aspect. And, uh, I was, I was looking to get into compositing and stuff, um, you know, with my interest being in, uh, visual effects and, and that kind of sci-fi world. Um, so, I, I went to school for about two years, got an associate's degree uh, for that kind of stuff, and then figured out that I wasn't really liking being in an office all day and, you know, rendering all day, et cetera, et cetera. So um, a job opportunity came up for me in my hometown to, to shoot at the news station there. And I uh, took it, and uh, I, I, was, I was like, wow, this is really fun. So kind of got started shooting local news, and uh kind of a documentary approach to things and uh that's you know i still i still feel like i have a lot of my roots in that and it it, a lot of it comes up through into my work ethic these days too where it's i take a very uh realism uh documentary type approach to things Hmm. but hometown is is vegas is that correct no uh well i was i was born in upstate new york actually up near canada and then um grew up in montana uh, so hometown to me is I consider it to be Montana. So just outside of Billings, Montana. Oh, so oh. you know that landscape well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to take a small step back. The films you were making, um, Super Eight or VHS? Um, actually, they were uh, they were Digital Eight. So just Damn, just I'm after. Old. <laughs> <laughs> were these kinescopes? Were these? <laughs> Yeah, I, did. I actually didn't work with film for the first time until I went to film school a couple years back. So, yeah, yeah so I was doing a lot of, like, uh, digital 8 millimeter and then got into... I got in right at the DV revolution when DV started taking oh, okay. off. Right, right, right. So, it, which, which, brings up, which brings up a point that I wanted to address. Uh, Clayton is not an old gentleman. You're, no. you're, you're a young guy, yeah? Sure, yeah, sure. Uh, okay. So <laughs> compared to us, everybody's so this, young. Well, yeah, compared to us, everybody's young. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, well, first of all, th- this is your first feature. Is that correct? Uh, this is not my first feature. This is actually my fourth feature. Um, however, this is my first feature to receive uh, a wide release, I guess you could say. Sure. Um, my first feature was actually another zombie movie I did um, almost 10 years ago now. And uh, I believe it's actually available on Amazon 
and the likes as well. It, I, I have seen it online at some points. It's called Deep River the Island. <laughs> I'm laughing because I did effects on, on Deep River. Uh, oh, did I, you? Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, I was doing the same game that Clayton was early on, and in, in I was an, an After Effects bitch. And uh, so I was making exploding heads and stuff for our mutual friend, Ben Batchelder, who yeah. shot that up in Canada. Oh, okay. Cool. I didn't know that. That's very cool. Um, <laughs> now, I remember, okay, so back in like 2011, uh, for the listeners, I went to school with um, Clayton's wife, Alicia, and I remember getting uh, a message at some point talking about, uh, wanting to know if, if I was available to do like prosthetics or something, mm-hmm. and I I, had, I was long gone at that point. I was way up here. I was doing other things and stuff, and I was making recommendations to people for zombie, you know, who might who might be able to do that. Um, what was and and she said it was for her boyfriend's film. Was that you, Clayton, or was that a different boyfriend? This is like 2011. Oh, that would have been me for sure. Yeah. There you go. Uh, that was probably that was during my film school uh, years, so that was probably for one of my film school projects. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Wow, wow, wow. That's good. so. How did so? You're making these these small films, and then you you know you you had mentioned film school. How does how do you come to be working on this uh, th- this new film? Um. Well, you know, it's it's really all about connections, and uh, this yeah, is. I wouldn't know anything. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. This is the result of that, uh, of course. So, um, basically, um, you know, after I said I got started in in up in Montana and uh, worked there for a while, got a, got kind of sick of it, wanted bigger and better things. So I moved down to Vegas, and uh, I've been here ever since, and uh, just kind of getting into the local scene here. I do a lot of commercial work and uh, short films and stuff like that. And so I came across the director here, uh, Brandon Christensen, who actually turned out to be the producer on It Stains the Sands Red. And uh, uh, through that connection there, I was able to um, be considered for the job and and ultimately get the job. Mm -hmm. How long were you guys out there? Uh, Out where? Out filming. Oh, uh, we shot uh, just around 20 days. That's not bad. Yeah. Nice. Now, one of the things, do, were those, like, the, the access to the airport and that kind of thing, was that s- sites that you you guys had available, or was that like, we need to rent the, rent a, a hangar in an airport? Yeah, so those those were actually written into the script originally, and it's, yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where I've done some screenwriting myself, and it's always a struggle, because part of you wants to write for what you have, and then part of you wants to write for the story. Mm. And so this was a case where it's like, all right, well, they wrote for the story. That was a major element in the movie, as you saw, where she had to get to the airfield. And uh, so now we have to find an airfield. Mm. And, um, yeah, luckily we were able to get one up at, at – uh, that was up in Utah, actually. Um, where was that? What was that called? Mm. Like, like, like far in or like St. George area? No, it was further than St. George. It was... It's, the name escapes me at the moment. Um, I'm huh. sorry. Yeah, no. it's because it's, it's always one of those things I'm always... I always am interested in, is the idea of, you know, do you... Low, you're in a low-budget world, 
And when you read scripts, they're like, open on an arena full of people. Right, <laughs> right. like, hey, yeah. that ain't going to work. And I've always said that if you can grab three or four solid locations, you could you can sketch something out. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And, and uh, this demonstrates the importance of looking outside the box. Like, you, you could have... Um, you know, looked around Vegas and mm-hmm. then maybe found, you know, some rich guy who has like one little strip for his plane to come in and out because yeah. he lives in the desert or whatever. Um, but no, uh, whoever was your scout, your location scout was able to look around, find some place in Utah, and it's like, okay, this is totally yeah. doable. It's not going to break de- the Your bank. set design is is almost done for right, you. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, really exactly. smart. That, and that's the great thing about shooting in location, uh, which I love, is a lot of times that you, you walk in and it's like you can't, you'll never be able to uh, to fake that really, with especially with a smaller budget. So it helps when you can find a great old place like this. And uh, I actually just look, looked it up. It's Wendover Airfield. Okay. Okay, cool. You know, it's kind of like the Ford Brothers. They did this movie, The Dead. It's an African Yeah, in Africa, movie. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they uh, uh, did a lot of that. Like, this is what we have available. Middle of shooting, their main actor gets malaria. Right. <laughs> and oh. uh, 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 they had to, that's why it's like, they had to write in on the fly, like, oh, yeah, he's getting sick with some stomach right. issues or whatever. Right, right, right. And, um, and we're able to use it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's an adaptability. But I think especially if you're showing dilapidation and age, it's nice if you can come pre pre dressed. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because That's smart. because making something mm-hmm. that isn't mm-hmm. fucked up look fucked up. Yeah. Costs money. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And so I'm wondering, since my initial sort of conceit was about learning about cinematography, I'm wondering out of the box, when you arrive with the production, how much influence do you have over the tone. I mean, you, you're you're shooting what the director wants to see, but there's a little bit of you, you know, in there mm-hmm. as well. And I just wonder how much are you able to go? Well, here's my artistic spin on your vision. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it really depends on the director, and um, you know, a lot of times, basically, what your job is is, as you said, like it's to bring the director's vision to life. Uh, visually, um, and I think no matter what, you're always your style's always going to come through. No matter if you are, you know, being strictly told exactly what lens to use, how to shoot it, how to light it, or if it's just uh, the kind of director who's like, "Hey, you know what? Here's what I'd like to see. Just just show me the two people over in the room over there," and you know, it lets you run with it. That, you know, that's always great. But um, yeah, it's it's really just. Uh, it depends on the director. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they'll, they'll know exactly what lens they want, where they want the camera, and then a lot of other times they'll they'll just leave it to you and and you'll frame it up and they'll say yeah that looks great, um, and we'll go from there. Hmm. On on a uh, uh, well I I don't know the budget of this particular film, but I I'm, I'm going to guess that it wasn't huge like Hollywood huge. Mm-hmm. How much time are you given for setup? Uh, not a lot. Right. <laughs> no, I'll say I'll say one thing. The budget was definitely not big, and uh, uh, you know, even though we did shoot for twenty days, which actually is 
is quite a bit of days for this level. That's, that was kind of a luxury to have that many days. Um, yeah, you learn to get fast in your setups. And it's, it's very, that's one of the most important things for a DP is to be fast. Because, um, you know, you, and especially in this movie, we did a lot of day exteriors. Mm-hmm. And when the sun goes down, the sun is down. You're out of light. Mm-hmm. So you need to work fast to make your day. Right, especially when you're capturing those, like, in this film, there's so many, like, sunsets and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. I, w- I was impressed on how natural all of the light looked and, and the, the look of things. It looked like, like uh, it, it wasn't set-bound, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I was impressed by this film was is that I knew, going in, I knew it was low-budget. But it didn't look low budget. No, like not a at lot all. of times, low budget films have that patina of something. Uh, yeah, never, yeah, yeah. I've never been able to put my finger on. But um, this wasn't. I mean, clearly, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, this could have been made by any studio. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the you know the the only tell yeah, that Eva Mendez. <laughs> well, the only tell that it's low budget is that is uh, the is that we don't have Brad Pitt in it right, right, or right, somebody right. like that, right? The guy, I kept feeling sorry for the main the main actor in this because I can't imagine being out in that heat in prosthetics. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. That just looked miserable to me. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. did... Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, because it is a low-budget production, you're the, you're the DP. Um, did you have a lighting technician? Did you have... Or, 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 or was that... Because oftentimes... That's two different hats that you're wearing at the same time. You're you're uh, in charge of the camera and the setup and 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 all of that. And then sometimes there's somebody else that you're working with who's in charge of the lighting altogether. Was that the case here? Uh, yes and no. Um, it was a very very small crew. It was myself, uh, first AC, uh, and I had a key grip, and uh, we had a sound guy. And that was pretty much the crew. Um, you know, we were we had all been uh, film school buddies, so we had all worked together before, which which really helps because uh, over time you develop relationships with your crew members. And you know, when you're out in the desert with people for twelve, thirteen, fourteen hours a day, mm. it helps that you know you like the, each other um, and you know each other, and you you kind of have a shorthand with you, with each other from working together over you know such a long time. Um, but yeah, it was, it basically came down to myself and the key grip, Alfredo Montenegro. Um, we would, we would approach each scene and, and when there was artificial lighting, uh, we would, it was all hands on deck. We would all kind of help set up, help each other out wherever we needed to be. Sure. Um, it, it was, it was a labor of love, honestly. It was, you know, everyone was, was really passionate and very hardworking and wanted to, to make a feature. Very cool. Wow. Very cool. Is this this uh, this film? Uh, unless I miss my guess, is getting um, good critical uh, feedback. Yes, it seems that way. Absolutely. Yeah. What are people talking about? What are they What are they saying that they like? Uh, well, what I, yeah, I try not to read too much, but you know it. it <laughs> 
it's <laughs> I can't help it either because it is a little. Oh, I hear you. It's your it thing, little, right? So you're like, exactly. I, I want to know. That's your right as an artist to to get your feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people are commenting on the performances. Uh, Brittany did an amazing job as the lead actress, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we had an amazing zombie as well, uh, Juan Ratinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so people are commenting a lot on the performance, uh, a lot of comments on the cinematography. I, you know, I can't ignore that. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's getting a lot of love, and it's it's feels to me like a typical horror film where you're either gonna love it or hate it. Uh, there's not <laughs> you know, really middle ground. One of the things I've thought interesting in in looking over YouTube is uh, uh, I there there are these reaction videos where they'll look at the trailer and show right. themselves reacting yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of the amateur reviews. And then what I'm seeing is all all very positive. Yeah, people are like, oh shit, it looks yeah. And especially you know a big film out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely, very awesome. cool. Um, you worked on Brain Games. Yeah, that's a yeah. <laughs> That's a goofy show, man. It is. It was. Uh, it's a fun show, though, and it's. Was, uh, this, was, was this with or without Neil Patrick Harris? This was with the other guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how annoying never. is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Oh no, I I never got to meet uh, NPH, unfortunately. But uh, uh, it was a fun show. Uh, they they rolled through Vegas. They they shoot in Vegas a lot, and uh, it's a great crew. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know, it, it's it's one of those things I I do in my. Between feature time, uh, yeah. pick up, pick up random jobs that come through town, commercials, uh, music videos, uh, right. broadcast. It was one so, of the things looking over your IMDb. I was like, really? <laughs> That's crazy. That is well, crazy. you know, Vegas is that kind of a place, though, where it's like you, uh, you're you're a local guy, right? And you've right. got your specialty, pick whatever, whatever it is, yeah. and. So one of the okay, so one of the drawbacks to Vegas is that if you're going to work on something, it has to be about Vegas because everything is so recognizable, sure. right? Like Clayton, am I right? Like you can't make Vegas look like New York. Absolutely. For example, okay. So what about New York, New York? <laughs> that's not New York. I know. <laughs> so. So, but 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 there's lots of things coming to Vegas and shooting sure. episodes in Vegas, right? I worked yeah. on an episode of Cheaters. Did you really in Vegas? Yeah, um, and so it's weird because you you get lots of opportunities to work, but you don't necessarily get a lots of opportunities to work on something for an extended period of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of Vegas, the opening shot in this. Film looks great. It's great. Yeah, it, it's it great. rivals a lot of what you saw in the Vegas stuff in Resident Evil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. Good job. Yeah, man, that that opening shot is amazing. Uh, first thing, credit for that shot goes to Tony Copopilo, uh, the v, uh, VFX uh, director on this movie. Um, he labored over that shot alone for months, and. Uh, you know, this this movie definitely would not be at the level it's at without uh, his help uh, by any means. Um, I mean, that opening shot alone, it started as a stock footage shot. And it was moving. The shot in the movie moves back along the strip. The, the original shot was moving forward. And so he had to reverse the shot 
And then, of course, all the cars down on the street would have been driving backwards. So he had to actually replace all the cars on the street. Wow. Um, yeah, he did some motion tracking on there to, to put the, the fire and the destruction on the buildings. And he added the helicopters and everything, of course. So, um, and that, you know, that, that's, it, that's how you open the movie. And you, you open the movie with a bang. And that, that shot is just, it's, it's amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the thing I love about that shot is immediately you, you know where you are. Right. You know what's going on. Right. It introduces an entire backstory that you, the audience kind of knows, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, tees up the entire rest of the film. Yeah. Absolutely. When I saw the helicopter fly by, it reminded me there's a scene in Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead where you're looking down over a road as right. the girl drives away, and a helicopter banks in yellow with mm-hmm. the WGON logo on it. Right, right, right. And when I saw this helicopter, it's kind of yellow. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I know it wasn't there, but I'm like, yeah, there you go. That would have been badass. That's very cool. Um, but it's a great shot. Yeah. And I love it because it services the, it sets the visual tone, and it also injects you right into the heart of the narrative. So, so let me ask you, Clayton, there's a lot of shots in this movie that involve drone work. Um were were you involved with those, or were they all stock footage? No, uh, the only stock footage was the that opening shot, and then um, the rest of it was just the producer. Uh, Brandon had a drone, and, and we brought it out with us and uh, flew it every chance we could get. Um, awesome. Yeah, and downtime so, on the set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, uh, you know, it, it helps open up the world and, and show off the expansiveness of the desert. And uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where it was used for good effect, and it was used to drive the story. It wasn't just sort of like, oh, well, look, we have a drone. Um, right, right, so, right. Yeah. Yeah, you see that a lot these days. The the thing yeah. I loved is is it added to that, as you say, that sense of expansiveness. Um, and that's what, hence my comment about the hitcher. The, yeah. the idea of it really lets you see that you are in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. It, it, Tom keeps referring to the hitcher. Have you ever seen the hitcher? I have not. I'm oh, sad dude. to say, have not. Okay, so when see the original. Don't. As soon as you get a chance, don't don't see the remake. There was <laughs> there was a remake with. Uh, with who? who was Sean that? Bean, I want to Sean say. Sean Bean was in it. Yeah, that. the Rucker Hauer one is the one I'm talking about. Watch the one with Rucker Hauer from the 80s. And okay. Yeah, it's interesting that you hadn't seen that. That's yeah, look at that because you're going to find, you're going to be like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this feels yeah. a lot of the same. It, okay. Basically, the, the, the idea of the hitcher is, here's this kid, who was it? Uh, what's his name? C. Thomas Howell. Yeah, he runs C. afoul of some... He Dude. just he just runs into a guy out on the road in the desert, <laughs> hitchhiking, and who decides to just fuck with him for just fuck 90 with him minutes. for no reason yeah. whatsoever. It's, it's like it's a great it's a great film. Yeah. I was I always call it the human duel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Very much, yeah. very much like that. Yeah, it's a, it's not a truck bearing down on him. It's this guy, it's just some just guy. And there's never an explanation coming after him. him. Yeah, so it's very um, cool. Yeah, that's interesting. So when, like, I know when I start a project, I I go and I grab things, in, you know, either music or, or films or whatever, to right. sort of something, inspire me. Something gets you started. Yeah, yeah. And, and gets me in the right headspace. Was that was there any of that for you here? Like, 
where you're like, oh, this is my John. Like Joe Lynch used to always say before they would shoot something, like, okay, this is our chainsaw dinner moment. You know, this is what, right. what we're trying yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. Was there any of that going on? Um, there was a little bit here and there. Um, I, you know, I whenever I approach a project and, and read a script, I try and seek out things that are similar in tone to, to what I initially am feeling. And uh, I'll watch that just to try and pick up some ideas, perhaps. And then, uh, yeah, when we're on set, of course, there's always a there's always a shorthand like, oh, this scene is gonna be like this movie, or yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so definitely some of that going on there. Well, you know, Picasso said it's like, and I and I believe this strongly is yeah. that the difference, you know, uh, 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 fuck, I'm blowing the wording. <laughs> the um, genius is hiding who you steal from and who you're inspired by. And I think, you know, um, so often uh, uh, the weirdest things will inspire us in the weirdest way. Absolutely. Um, pieces of music or, or um, like, I freely admit the opening of my first book is Escape from New York. Um, and so you use those sure. things and you're inspired by them. And I think that's great. And, I, I, and, and the thing is, is that uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, that shows how much you're paying attention mm -hmm. to what's gone before. Because as we all know, there's nothing original anymore. Yeah. Every, well, yeah, once is, in a while you'll see something novel. Um, sure, but, it's novel, but, but it, like, it's, you know, those seven storylines right. have been told time and time and time and again. Yes. I'm yes, trying, sir. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to decide which storyline... Uh, well, it's a, ultimately what this, this film. Yeah, this I film. I think it's a is, film, it's a story of redemption for one thing. Absolutely, it's a story of redemption. Um, she she her arc completely uh, takes her through one be, one one behavior and brings well, her back to what. What I think is fascinating about her, this film is that initially they're kind of hard people to like. Yeah, but right. by by midway through Act Two. You're pulling for this chick. Yeah, absolutely. And even when she makes some decisions that are sort of a little like, you go, really? Yeah. But you're still pulling for her. And yeah. pulling for her through the end. Right. And I, so I think ultimately... Because, because to be honest, in, in the beginning, mm -hmm. if a zombie came and ate her ass, I would have been like, yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because she, it, 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 it makes the... It's like great art. It makes the audience complicit yeah, in storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This uh, is a good movie, Clayton. It really is. <laughs> You've done good. You've done good. Uh, <laughs> who are who are some of your heroes as far as as you know? Who do you look up to and go like, you know? Um, uh, I want my film to look like this. Right. 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 Yeah, some of my favorite. Um, I mean, top of the list is uh, Roger Deakins. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, he, to me, he's he's just the epitome of contemporary cinematographers. Um, I also like Conrad Hall's work. Mm-hmm. Um, Road to Perdition. Yeah. American Beauty. Uh, Deacons, for those at home, keeping score, um, did sh did stuff like Shawshank, Sicario, No Country for Old Men, Skyfall. Yeah. yeah. Skyfall. I like those guys, the Brothers Strauss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I worked with them on uh, AVPR, mm -hmm. and they were super, super cool, and then they did Skyfall, and boom, no one cared. Boom! <laughs> there, there's going to, they're going to, supposedly there's going to be, there's a Skyfall 2 bouncing around. Okay. 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, big fan of uh, Harris Savita's work. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a good time to go over favorite cinematographers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a whole list. Go fake people at home. Um, the what? What? Let's talk about like like. There's a one of the biggies is Haskell Wexler. Oh shit! Doing one floor over the cuckoo's nest. Gates yes. of Heaven. Who's afraid of Virgin, Virginia? Woolf. By the way, Gates of Heaven. Okay, for you know, a lot of people look at that movie and they say, "Oh, that was the movie that almost bankrupt." Mm-hmm. You know. That's an amazing film. Okay, when you, whenever you, Chimino, right? Huh? Chimino, right? I, th- I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You ever see the Sicilian with yeah. Christopher Lambert? Oof. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oof. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So, so the thing about Gates of Heaven is like, consider this: you're only restricted. You're you're restricted to shooting at the golden hour. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all these like other hours in the day, and you're but restricted. You you're restricted to shooting from, I don't know what what time of year it was, but let's say seven o'clock at night to eight o'clock at night, mm-hmm. and that's it. And then you're done. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> break. Did. Yeah. Go ahead. You were going over a couple other. Go days. ahead. Is there uh, anyone you uh, want to mention? Uh, yes. Uh, obviously, uh, Vilmos as Zygmunt. Uh, speaking of Heaven's Gate. Um, sure. Lance Accord is is a one of my favorites as well. Uh, Darius Kanji. Um, I'm also a big fan of Maddie Labatique. Um, what's the you know, first, it, What's the first time that that any of us, any of the three of us, can think of that cinematography played a, an important role? Uh, I have an I have an answer. Go ahead. And that will give us time to think. <laughs> <laughs> that's Citizen Kane. Oh sure. Where? Oh yeah. Now you're talking. Every shot was uh, completely thought out, um, down to like at, at you know at the time this was unheard of. So, Greg Tolland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going to take we're going to cut a hole in the floor <laughs> of the set so that the camera can be below, like, where people's feet are to look up at certain shots mm-hmm. in order to give the storytelling element of showing how powerful this person is. First time that shit like that ever happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, yeah. that's, that's fair. A, that's a big deal, man. That's, that's a like big that, deal. It is. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's a big deal. It, what about you? Clayton. Clayton. Um, I, You know, I feel like going back to 1999... Um, that was, that was the year two films came out that really impacted me, and that was not Star Wars Episode One, but, uh, The Matrix and American Beauty. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, when I first saw The Matrix, it was like, holy shit, because no one had ever seen anything like that with, with the bullet time and everything, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that was the first time I actually noticed, like, Okay, there's the camera movement here that's really helping to tell this story, and then um, later that year, or earlier that year, maybe I, I I can't remember exactly when they were released, but uh, when I saw American Beauty, that movie just just struck a chord with me, and um, I just remember that the cinematography on that film was just so beautiful, and it like effortless, effortlessly bled into and 
uh, integrated with the story and the drama that was happening on the screen. And I've watched that film so many times since then, and it's just I always catch new things, and and you you see new things that uh, that Conrad Hall was going for on that on that film. Mm-hmm. And so those I would say those were the two films that kind of I first started noticing. Hey, like the camera is a very important uh, storytelling element as well. Yeah, I remember. Go ahead. Got no. I was going to say grow, growing up, I remember. I remember all the advent of things because I'm super old. So I remember like when Technicolor came out and that sure. showed us, you know, things like Ten Commandments and that kind of stuff. It showed right. us like, oh, my God, there's like this. This is an active part. Um, for, for, for me, it wasn't until you hit things like big milestones that really drove the point home and things like The Godfather. Right. Apocalypse Now. It's like, you know, like which I've been revisiting lately. And God damn, that's a that's great a, that's an amazing movie, man. It is so an amazing good. movie. So um, and then later it was when I got into the Japanese cinema that you know you started to see things like you know the 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 way Kurosawa shot things and the way dude, Suzuki shot things let's, and let's Ozo and those kind of guys. Go to the American uh, mish mash of uh, Lone Wolf and Cub things. Uh, oh sure, Shogun Assassin. Uh-huh. You look at that and you're just like. Man, you know, like here, for example, once again, we come back to that John Ford shit. Is that yeah. we we've got this wide expanse? Yeah, we have we're using the lower third of the of the frame, mm-hmm. and we have this one lone figure, and there's fucking cherry blossoms falling around. Yeah. It's it's gorgeous. You're yeah. just like holy I'm trying shit. To, I want to say, I might be wrong on this, but there's a there's a lo- a little film called Ninja Hunt that has. Um, it's a duel played out in real time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Two people facing each other. Yeah. And it keeps cutting to a cherry blossom um, on the leaf, on the branch. Sure. And it breaks free, and it keeps cutting back and forth as this blossom floats to the ground. This is one of the reasons why... <laughs> Amazing. It's, it's great. This is one of the reasons why I love um, Return of the Dragon. Mm. Is because Bruce was directing it. Yeah. And... We have this 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 fight scene between Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. Oh sure, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's keep, a classic. And thing. we keep cutting back to that cat, yeah, that little kitten. It's the th- it's the witness, right? It's our it's our doppelganger. It's exactly. Our, it's, we are that we are we are the cat. We are the cat. We are the fly on the wall. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And it's right so on. smart. It's so good. And that and that demonstrates the. Um, the the teamwork, right? Because mm-hmm. here you're talking a director, you're talking the the director of cinematography, you're talking um, the editor, everybody working together to create this piece. Well, it helps when your director can kick. Your, <laughs> well, your ass. Well, 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 yeah. When you, I got some Bruce stuff. We're going to talk about. Bruce okay, Ritter. cool, very cool. Um, yeah. So I think that there's. Oh, I, I want to bring up something. Okay, so you're uh, Clayton. You're a big fan of American Beauty, um, visually. How did you feel about the follow-up film, um, Road to Perdition? Did he mention Conrad Hall? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed Road to Perdition. Um, I mean, granted, I haven't seen it in a while, but um, that's it's definitely on my top. You know, one of my tops on the list. I, I really enjoyed watching it. It's that um, shootout in the rain is it's beautiful, yeah. man. It's the bomb. It is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah it's great stuff. Uh, let's well, see. I also want to you mentioned Wells. Um, 
you know, Touch of Evil. The opening shot of Touch of Evil. Yeah. Is, is just amazing. It is. It's beautiful. Uh, not that I'm not letting anyone know anything they don't already know, <laughs> but yeah, it's amazing. Um, so I'm curious about. I want to go back to composition of sh- shots, and uh, I, I this director for um, it stains the sands red. Um, you were friends with him, correct? Um, I was, I had friend, been friends with Brandon, the producer, for a while back. Okay. Um, yeah, this was actually the first time I'd ever worked with uh, Colin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so so I'm just curious about, again, about how much, I mean, with certain directors, it, it sounds like it's a technical gig, right? You're shooting what you're being told. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious about your art, I want to know where your artism, artism? Artism. Artism. It's a new word. You hear, heard it here on the bonus where, material Where does podcast. that come in for you? Where do you... do? Are there... Like, do you hold on to those certain shots where you're like, yeah, that was all me? Um, inside, yeah. But, I, you know, it's not something that I'll, I'll take full credit for because, sure. you know, filmmaking's a team exercise. Um, but, you know, a lot of it's starts in pre-production and that's it's everything's based on those initial conversations you have together and you know you you talk about influences you talk about ideas um they basically these guys were all from canada they came down and and were staying in an apartment here for a while about a month before we started shooting and i'd go over there and we'd hang out all day and we'd read through the script we'd we'd discuss how to shoot this how to shoot that um you know and everything's obviously based uh is uh, it's everything's going to change based on what you're thrown at at you on the on the day. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's it's good to have an initial plan of attack for things and an initial starting point for your ideas, so that when you do get on set, you're like, okay, wow, this this will work out. So we'll be able to shoot it exactly how we pictured. Mm. But you know, that never happens. So <laughs> you always, you just got to be flexible. And then it goes back to what I was saying about being fast. You need to be able to really think on your toes and, and adapt as things change, especially at this budget level. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it it all starts with those early conversations, and and I'll throw an idea out, and uh, Colin will throw an idea out, and uh, you know we both like we'll just kind of take what each other comes up with and run with that, and say yeah that's a great idea, let's try that out. Um, and then a lot of it too is improvisation. When yeah. you're just there and you're like, well, what if, you know, now that we're here and we see this for real, you know, let's try this on a on a different lens or let's try it from over here. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, I'm a firm believer in, in pre-production. Mm. I mean, that's that's where a lot of your movie gets made. And uh, if if you're really good on your pre-production, it shouldn't be that hard when you just show up and shoot the scenes. And, and it sh- you should pretty much be 80% there, but... Right. What I'm fumbling around for is I, I'm trying to get a sense of your process. You, mm-hmm. you know, where, where, yeah, you're, you know, there are, there's the technical side, but then, you know, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't scratching some some artistic nerve in me. That's I'm sure. just I'm just trying to get to the core of that. How do you know, Clayton, when something is right? And. <laughs> the director goes. Well, I heard a great story uh, with with Romero that him and Savini have had these little penny clickers, 
Uh-huh. And w- because in the midst of everyone moving around, they would finish a shot, and um, Savini would click it, and if Romero clicked it back, it meant the shot was okay. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I don't know about that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I just... Uh- I just think it's interesting that that um, I agree with you. I mean, a good army goes to war, you know, based on its planning. And yeah. um, so often I've heard people re- equate filmmaking to going to war. Yeah, um, absolutely. But the idea of like this is our plan, and then you're ready. You you have a plan, and you're ready for deviate any deviation. I've been on sets where you know you get what you want, and then you there's a lot of improvisation, a lot of Right, playing around that you know is never you know people get used to get a little more precious with that because they were shooting to film, but now right. with di- with digital and video, it's like it's, it's no big deal. It doesn't I, cost money to I'm shoot curious, another shot. Exactly, yeah, I'm except curious for time. What kind of um, were, were you shooting digital, and what kind of camera you were using? Yeah, we shot. Uh, we were shooting digital. Um, we shot on a red Scarlet camera. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I love and, that. I love that it was shot on a red scarlet and not like the red dragon or or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when uh, when the red first became a thing, right? And I really wanted to <laughs> because I was really I was really kind of upset with this particular filmmaker, and I really wanted to shoot something where the power goes out like thirty seconds into the film. And so the rest of the film is just black, and it's just dialogue. And then at the very end, put in this big blurb, was like, shot on red. Well, you know, um, when I was on Underworld Awakening, yeah. they were using red, the the newest red that was doing, you could look at the monitor, and if you had glasses on, it was in 3D. Right, yeah. Fucking mm-hmm. amazing. They had two cameras side by side sort of pointed inward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but on set, you could sit in video. You could, see, you could see what the audience is going to see. And yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. really cool. Really cool. I thought that was interesting, and that was four years ago. Yeah. So, you know, I can't imagine what's going on now. Dude, it's, it, it, it changes. Is it like anything? Are you having to constantly keep up with new gear? Do you have to go to classes and stuff on a regular basis, Clayton? Um, back, you know, a while, a couple of years back, I probably would have been going to classes and stuff, but now it's, uh, things are all kind of merging to one point where they're, they're almost all equally as amazing, uh, with the technology that's out today. So it's really more about learning your codex and your color space and, and all the, not the actual camera itself, but how it's being recorded and compressed in the camera. So it's really more about learning about that stuff now, and that's typically fairly similar between camera systems. Um, so it's it's really more about staying on top of that now. Mm-hmm. The actual gear itself, um, you know, obviously I'll if something new comes out, I'll check it out, and then I'd like to shoot test stuff with it. But uh, you know, it's it's I'm at the point now where where I've kind of found what I like to shoot on, mm-hmm. and I'm. Luckily, I'm able to get the camera that I like for most for whatever job I'm doing. So, sure. I, I'm interested. You know, we you were talking about pre-production and how important pre-production is um, with most films. 
if you spend most of your time on pre-production, then your actual production time is going to be um, easier, right? You, you know, you you planned, Hopefully. you planned, you planned, right? Yeah, that's the idea. Right. Were you working off of storyboards for this film at all? Um, I don't recall any storyboards existing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's amazing. That is amazing. Especially given the visual sense of the film. Right. You, you, that's when you, awesome. When you look at this film, you get the idea that somebody sat down and did like a graphic novel version of it mm-hmm. first almost. Because it's that pretty. Yeah, it, it's interesting because it does has all these touchstones that you ex- like. I'm I'm I was fully expecting to go like, oh yeah, absolutely a hitcher, and but to hear that he, he's never seen it is right. fascinating exactly. because it's parallel thinking in the in the best really possible way. It. Really got to see it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have, yeah, you got to see um, this movie. Clint. But even <laughs> but he even recalled things like the Searchers, right? The, those big John absolutely. Ford things that we that's, talked about. Well, that's what I was talking about, John Ford, and, and so what. What is is seemingly apparent when you watch this movie is that somebody has seen these movies where we <laughs> have these yeah. grand uh, landscapes where we're taking up one third of, of yeah, 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 the yeah. camera frame and we have this little tiny figure and it immediately conveys to you as the viewer this person is small yeah. and insignificant in the midst of either this landscape or what's going on. And we get that time and time again in this movie where um, our protagonist, you know, she she not only not only is she is she battling this zombie who is intent on her. Sure. She's having to battle uh, all this environment as well, right? Yeah, right. Because there's a there's a you're in the desert. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And again, the worst the worst of this people of uh, the worst monster in a lot of this in, in like a lot of zombie movies isn't the zombie himself. It's the people. It's the that people she encounters. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that's what I'm talked about. It's like the, it's like touching on these these touchstones from each each of these genres. And make it all. There work. are a couple of moments in this movie that I think are just fucking brilliant. Yeah, brilliant, especially in the realm of zombie films. And yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't want to give away spoilers, but there are some things in here that mm-hmm. it's like. Well, it bemoans the fact something we bemoan a lot is it's it's so often this is a subgenre that gets handled poorly because everyone thinks it's it's a it's a siege thing because that's what they're used to seeing. Right, everybody's used to you're, you 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 pack love, yourself up in the house. Right, exactly, or wherever. This your 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 pressure cooker is the desert itself. Right. In the fact that it's so big that it makes it even more isolating. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's kind of like kind of like Vegas itself. <laughs> yeah, when I, dude, when I lived in Vegas, like I'm surrounded by literally millions of people, and I never say hi to my neighbors. Oh sure, right? You know, it's like the biggest city with the most people can be the most isolating place, and uh, I think the desert is a good metaphor for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this this is now this film is now available on VOD. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's available in a um, plethora of places. Lay them uh, out. <laughs> um, it is on iTunes. It's on Amazon. Um, it's on Vudu. Um, let's see. I got a list here. Google Play, PlayStation Store. Wow. Uh, Microsoft Movies and TV and Vimeo on demand. Nice. That is very cool. Yeah, Vimeo yeah. is great. Because yeah, oh, I love Vimeo. It's so clear. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it, there's. It's well, like, that was the thing, right? Like way back in the day, there was YouTube and there was Vimeo, and Vimeo was for filmmakers. Yeah. You know, and YouTube was for you know, the guy shooting his cat. <laughs> I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's. So I don't know if that's true anymore. But back when Vimeo got started, it was like. Hey man, we're the place to come if you're filming. Right, right, right. And you want to show how good your shit is. So I'm wondering, are when when you when you when you go to the cinema and you see trailers or or you see films, is it hard for you to remain a fan? Um, or are you looking at it and thinking, oh, I would have shot that. Because I'll be honest, I watch things all the time. You're, you're a witness to this, and most of the listeners are heard this time and time again. And I'm constantly going, I can never stop. I can never get out of the chair. Yeah. And it gets in the way of enjoyment sometimes. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. It's, you know, you. I have to actively tell myself to turn off the uh, cinematographer brain when I sit down and watch a film sometimes, because otherwise I'll just get caught up in, like, how'd they light that? How'd they shoot that? How'd they set that up? Yeah. Uh, so it's. It is. It's very hard for me to watch anything anymore and, and just fully experience it just for the story and the acting and the directing and, and everything without without that technical side of things creeping into my brain. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a curse. We do it all the time. We fixed John Wick 2 here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we totally... <laughs> So, we totally yeah, so like I this. just, I did, for me, it gets harder and harder, and I'll be honest, for me, films start, certain films, um, they just become constructs. It's, mm-hmm. it's again, that, it's that deck of cards, that story deck of cards I always talk about, where it's like, you deal, as you're dealing the cards out, we have a girl, she is in the desert, and you're flipping cards, right. and it's sort of, you see, you see the the man behind the tent, the the curtain. And yeah, he, you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, for me, that's not a bad thing. For me, it's always it's been done that well. way, right? Like yeah. even when I was a little kid, if I was reading a book, I couldn't just get lost in the story. I'd be thinking about yeah. how would how would we do that? How would we shoot that? Sure, you know. And so it was like I was I, in my head. I'm always like, okay, we're gonna make a model, and we're gonna do this, and gonna, you know what I mean. And and it's still that way now. Whenever I read, it's like, it's it's for me. It's all about what I finally had to just admit, cop to, is that it's all about making movies. Yeah. If it doesn't, if it doesn't it's make all me about your movies, vision. Yeah, exactly. It's all about my <laughs> fucking movie. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck those guys. It's my movie. Um, so I, I, uh, the, are there filmmakers that you now, I mean, modern filmmakers that you, you see like a film coming out, like have this ready player one immediately, you know, I'm willing to discount all of the 
recent Spielberg work because this looks so amazing. Dude, what are you talking about? Abraham Lincoln was great. <laughs> Uh, the car chase. Uh, uh, but are there filmmakers that you will immediately just snatch up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Christopher Nolan's one. I, I was a big fan of Dunkirk. Um, uh, Denny Villeneuve. Oh, I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not oh, sure if dude. I had name right, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> man. Blade Runner 2049. I've not seen a single frame oh. that doesn't look amazing. It looks oh. great. I'm so excited. And him doing Dune just makes. Wait, what? Yeah, he's what? doing Dune. Yeah, the Whoa. guy in the arrivals. I haven't yeah. heard that. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, we, we've report we've reported it here a couple of times. Um, yeah, go ahead. That, I'm usually really drunk by that, that part of the show. That guy's the bomb. Go, go ahead. Any any others? Um, man, I'm really I'm really bad at, at being on the spot like this. Yeah, uh, I know. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, if we went if we went back to though, I'd be a Kubrick would of course and sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and like you said, Spielberg. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of his like '80s and '90s work, but mm-hmm. not his recent stuff's not whatever. But, um, man, I don't know. I mean, I let me ask you this. I'm interested. I'm always interested in this. Um, every it's easy for everybody to, re, to you know to to name the cool movie. <laughs> yeah. that, you hate that that, <laughs> that they like. Uh, what is the shitty movie that you like? Is there well, a movie, there yeah, that, that you, you know like, is crap. you know it's bad, you know it's crappy, but for whatever wow. reason it makes you it oh, makes you feel good, you know? Okay, Le- legit. My one of my favorite films uh, is Night at the Roxbury. Night on. Night on. I also I know I'm a huge fan of The Room. Uh, oh, dude, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tom, you won't get you won't get any any love from Tom yeah, right? for that, but I'm I'm all over it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are you uh, looking forward to the disaster artist? Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. That's gonna be so cool. Yeah. Uh, favorite shitty film. Favorite. Is shitty there any, film. any more before we move on to? to... <laughs> um. Uh, I mean, Masters of the Universe was pretty bad, wasn't it? <laughs> dude, I saw that. <laughs> I saw oh, that I, in theater. I just want to say, so did I. I was excited. Frank Langella. Yeah, I was oh. like, I was all about it, and yeah. Um, the the best thing about that movie is the Drew Struzan poster. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I dug the makeup on Langella. I thought it was pretty groovy. Okay. Um, what about you? Favorite shitty film? Uh, favorite shitty film. It's a toss up between Inframan okay. <laughs> and uh, the Beastmaster. Beastmaster. Beastmaster yeah. great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I've said it before here. Yeah, it is, it is great. Mark Singer. Mark Singer. Mark Singer looking amazing, by the way. Yeah. Like, when I was, like, whatever I was, 10, 12, whenever that movie came out, I'm like, dude, I want to look like that. I want to look like that. I want to look like that guy. Like, blonde hair. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Spice World is a hard day's night. God damn it. <laughs> I love Spice. Spice World is a great film. It's a, it's a hard day's night for little girls. It is. Um, it is. Uh, and I'm also going to throw out uh, Until My Nose isn't very good, but I, Strange Brew. Dude, I love Strange Brew. Uh, who, who doesn't love Strange Brew? Well, well, a lot of people. I, I wish they just did a benefit up in Canada where they uh, Bob yeah, and Doug I, McKenzie made an appearance and then no one taped it. Uh, I saw something 
that they did recently. You shared it with me. Yeah, but where I did Getty, I think, Where Getty came out. Getty Lee came out. That yeah, was yeah. a cell phone thing. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, but there's a lot of that, you know. Um, another one I'll throw up there that I know is flawed is Bava's Danger Diabolic. I'm yeah. a big Danger Diabolic fan. Um, uh, talking, talking about cinematography. I mean, like... Yeah. Are you a Bava fan? Have you seen much? Clayton? No. Oh, no. dude. Dude, Blood and got... Black Lace will make you just... Or uh, Whip in the Body will make oh. you... Um, it's amazing. Everything Dario Argento is, I, I, he got well, from Bava. I would say I would say if you haven't checked them out, check out Bava, Mario Bava, and Dario Argento. Uh, <clears throat> and, and just sit back and enjoy the ride, because it's... Bava's one of those people for me, it's like, even his really shitty films like Hercules in the Haunted World yeah. is just beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah, and the use of matte paintings on glass. Man, it's, fucking it's amazing. so, so good. So fucking good. Um, so tell me, what are you doing now? Are you working on anything? Uh, right now, I'm just, uh, I'm looking for my next feature, of course. Um, kind of back to my normal life, uh, doing some commercial work here and there, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like you were saying earlier about Vegas, it's a little bit here, a little bit there, and, uh, you know, nothing ever comes here for too long a term, it's like a day or two, you know, so, um, it's, it's an interesting town, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm, well, I'm interested, and I'm interested in this with any of our, uh, with any of our guests, because, We've had some guests on that are, are kind of, you know, luminaries. And it's mm-hmm. interesting to hear that they still have to have a day job, mm-hmm. you know. Um, are are you a gig-to-gig kind of guy, or do you, do you have to have something in the meantime that kind of fills the gaps? No, uh, I'm fortunate. I am uh, strictly a cinematographer. Um, yeah, day-to-day. Um, nothing like full-time or anything, so it's... You know, that in itself is full-time as far as, like, promoting myself and, you know, running my invoices and all that stuff, but, uh... Grinding. Yeah. 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 That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, That's heavy. Uh, Yeah. Are there... Is there anything that you're looking forward to that you've been... that you've seen coming up? Uh, probably the hottest thing on my radar right now is is gotta be Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm really I'm really keen on that director, and of course my boy Deacons. So I'm just waiting for that, really, and then of course Star Wars. Are you uh, a big Star Wars guy? Huge Star Wars fan. Huge oh. Star Wars. Yeah. Oh. I'm still I'm still waiting to watch Rogue One. It's on really? Netflix. Well, no, I know it's on Netflix. I I I own a copy of the Blu-ray at home, but where I'm holding. According to tradition in the house, like we don't watch the new Star Wars movie until whatever the until new Star Wars Eve until the new <laughs> Star Wars movie is coming out. Yeah, so really? when when the last when, what is it the last Jedi when that comes out, then I watch Rogue One. Wow. Why? Why? I I don't know. Wow. <laughs> to be honest, it's just the way that that I'm I'm wired. It's funny because. I'm of the generation that I should be a giant Star Wars fan, right? I stood in line as a little 11-year-old kid or whatever mm-hmm. I was to watch the very first Star Wars. And that summer, man, 
it was the shit, right? It, like, kind of took over my life. Sure. But the problem with being 11, when something like that comes out, is right around the corner. It's 14, girls. 15, and 16, and girls. Yeah, power the P. So when... Blinds us all. Yeah, so when, when Empire Strikes Back comes out, I don't give a shit about Star Wars <laughs> at that point, right? Because, like, I'm making time in a car. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be honest. Um... It's I'm a diabetic uh, talking about chocolate with Star Wars. Star Wars. I just right. it just whizzes right by me, and I don't. I it, it shouldn't be that way because I shouldn't. was in my teens when it all came out. Right. Um, that's. Uh, the, I think that's the problem. I think that's the issue. You yeah, were in your teens, I'm man. You had other shit it's going like on. It's like when I I read um, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. I was like 14. Right. And it whizzed right by me. Right. So yeah, I I, I love the fandom aspect of it. Yeah, you know, I watch people get super excited. Like I remember getting excited for films as a kid. Right. Um, and uh, but you'd kind of moved on. And then, what do you think of this? The last piece of news I read was uh, Ron Howard <laughs> booked his brother Clint in the oh. Han Solo movie. Oh man! <laughs> please, please make him be a bartender, and please make him serve Tranya. <laughs> That's all I want. God. I I will give that film. Such hard thumbs up. Um, yeah, and I agree. Blade Runner looks great. Did yeah. you? Uh, Harrison Ford was just asked at Comic Con by somebody, a fan, does he plan to remake all of his properties from the eighties? And his answer was great. He goes, "You bet your ass." It's like, like I, I clearly I can't fly. So. Right. <laughs> all right. All right. Alrighty, dude. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I I can't recommend this movie enough. And people who know, I wrote this zombie thing, and so I, uh, I I I like the genre, and this represents it quite well. Absolutely. Um, it's it's different, which I out of the box I appreciate. It's it's that's that's the big thing is that one. Um, I'm going to say the title again, so for people who listen, mm-hmm. it stains the sands red. Um, it's available in all those places that Clayton talked mm-hmm. about earlier. Uh, Clayton, did this get any kind of a theatrical run, or did it just go to all these different digital? Um, I I was told it was a limited theatrical run. Um, I'm not exactly sure where or when it had played, sure. but it and it has been doing well on the film circuits, uh, you... festival circuits, and stuff. Oh, great! Absolutely, it, it, as yeah. it should. Is it available on disc at all? Are, are people able uh, to buy this on Blu-ray somewhere? Not at the moment. It is going to be, though, and it, it is on Amazon already. Um, the Blu-ray page is all set up on there, ready to go. So. Nice. Sweet. Okay, so for people listening, and I know there's a lot of people listening who like zombie movies, this is one that's different and yeah. uh, special. Suffice it to say, I think we both... Give it a hearty thumbs up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We give this, so, we give this right a good on. thumbs up. Well, sir, you are invited. Are you done? I, well, I was <laughs> just about to say I something. was going to say, Tom's looking at me. I'm counting off fingers on my hand. Um, where do prospective... Uh, like, do you have a website? Yeah. How do people How do people find you? It's like, hey, man... I, I, want to, on Facebook. I, I want to shoot this thing in Vegas. Who's somebody that I can contact? For sure. How yeah, do they uh, find you? My website is ClaytonMoreDP.com. 
and uh, and then from there it, it has a bunch of my work on there and from there there's links to my uh, Facebook Instagram all that social media stuff right um, yeah that's that's probably the best spot my phone number and emails on there so sweet right on very cool well thank you sir Clayton, thank you thank you so much for coming today greatly appreciate it uh, I'm sorry that like I said I I, I knew I thought I knew I remembered you, but I wasn't 100% sure, so... It's all good. Yeah, right on. It's all all good. right. Yeah, all thanks right. for having us. So we will be back in just a sec. All right. So we're back. Um, big, big thanks to Clayton for coming on and, and talking about this movie. We we really we don't promote movies a lot on this show. Um, <laughs> we usually talk about movies that are ten years old. Yeah, <laughs> but this one, uh, I, I really think people should check out. Yeah, it was a it was a perfect storm between a film that we thought was interesting, someone we knew, and. Um, we were able to, to, to talk a bit about yeah. it. And it's well worth checking. It's well worth checking out. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to go over before we go on with news and stuff um, real quick is uh, I wanted to talk real quickly about our favorite cinematographers. Um, in my case, um, Guillermo de Navarro, mm. um, who is the cinematographer for Guillermo del Toro, um, I think does an amazing job. Um when you look at uh, the Argento films and then you look at Del Toro's films, you can definitely see where Navarro um, has that as an influence. Uh, color becomes a huge part of um, creating the experience. Um, and uh, I, I think it's not shown better than in his films. Del Toro stuff, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it looks great. The other thing I wanted to mention was, it, for folks who aren't um, real clear on the role of the cinematographer and what they do, 
you should definitely check out this documentary called Visions of Light. Yeah. Yeah, that is an amazing documentary. Um, and it really shows the importance of these guys when it comes to telling stories uh, in film. And uh, uh, yeah, Visions of Light is amazing. You should definitely check it out. Um, the only thing that I think that comes close is there's a uh, there's one on editing called um, uh, the Cutting Edge. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be confused with the uh, ice skating movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times when I look up, the they have a different edge, engi- different yeah, ending. It's a completely different, yeah, wow, completely different thing. But uh, uh, thanks again to Clayton for coming on. That was that was fantastic. Yeah, I was going to mention a couple of names other than haven't been mentioned. Number one, Janice Kaminsky, who, sure. who does all the stuff for Spielberg. He did Saving Private Ryan. But most importantly, he did one of my favorite films. It's a foreign film called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Dude, that's so, an amazing movie. So good. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention Peter Pow, who did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, yeah. Bride with White Hair, and he did The Killer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a guy named Kazuo Miyagawa, who did um, Rashomon and Yajimbo. Sure. Because I'm always a sucker for the black and white Japanese stuff. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Um, some deaths. We'll go through them pretty quick. Number one, Robert Hardy, actor, did a lot of British stuff, um, was in Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, fairly old guy. Um, uh, Daniel Licht, who was the composer on all the Dexter stuff. Sure. He passed. Uh, Chuck Loeb, who most of our listeners won't know, but um, he was a guitar player for Foreplay and a band called Steps Ahead. Foreplay specifically, it's like a it's like a super team of jazz players. Sure. Lee Rittenauer, Harvey Mason, Bob James, who did the taxi theme. Right. That guy. Um Jean Moreau, Jean, Jean Moreau, she was in Jules and Jim. She was a mm-hmm. French actress. Um, a guy named Jeffrey Brotman, who was the co-founder of Costco. Interestingly enough, his family, um, when they bought their uh, his casket, they bought it in a pack of 12. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, and then finally, sorry, um, Sam Shepard. Yeah, That's Sam Shepard huge... passed away. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's a huge deal. deal. Yeah. There's a piece of footage out there on YouTube you can find um, on the red carpet for the Dark Tower. Uh, a reporter asks Matthew McConaughey, you know, do you have any memories of Sam Shepard? And he learns about it in real time. And oh, wow. It, it's it's pretty amazing. That's cool. Um, yeah, he was just one of those dudes, not only as an actor, but was, also as a he playwright. Was, yeah, he was a triple threat, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, he was a playwright, he was an actor. Yeah, Sam Shepard... Um, What strikes me is Sam Shepard's early relationship with uh, Patty Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, he was all over the place. Yeah, she had her. She just wrote a great in memoriam piece. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's been floating around the internet. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's one of those things where you know he was able to to subvert a lot of the um, like when he you hired him as an actor, you, know, you didn't get him too much as a director as a as a director. Yeah, he knew a playwright. his playwright. Yeah. lane. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and his stuff was really, really good. Yeah. So we'll start to see him go. Um, moving on to news. We're going to go through these pretty quick because there's just a little some bumps in the road. Number one, Vin Diesel is bringing a doing a Miami Vice remake. 
Okay. Which I don't understand. No, I don't care. Is there really that much of a call for 80s stuff? I guess there so. There is right now, yeah. Yeah, weird, right? Well, it'll, 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 it'll be interesting to see when this stuff dies out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it smells like Baywatch to me. Sure. Which bombed. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm sure this will bomb. Everything bombed this year. Yeah. Nothing has been like... There's been onesie twosie stuff, but yeah. a lot of it is everything's underperforming. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with I, the sketchy political climate. Well, I think People it has to do with the sketchy political climate. It has to do with oversaturation of a particular, you know, maybe Hollywood will start to realize that remakes and reboots aren't necessarily where it's at, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I um, or at least expensive ones. Yeah, and everything doesn't have to have a cape. <clears throat> right. Exactly. Um, and that's going to be later on. We're going to when we talk about trailers. Um, I'll tell you, I per I am purposely as I go through news, I'm ejecting every a lot of comic book stuff, just because I don't care. And it's all it's casting, and it's like, hey, he's going to be so and so. Right. And it's like beyond. Well, huh. Okay. Well, as okay. we saw with the ejection of the of the dudes who were directing um, the Han Solo movie. Mm -hmm. It's like, look, it's already it's already made. You know, yeah. all you got to do is come in and sit in the sit in the driver's seat. Absolutely. And if you do something different, we don't like you. Yeah, we can gonna, yank you out yeah. of there and replace you with a journeyman filmmaker who exactly. you know. You know that Ron Howard is going. Absolutely. You this is what you want. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it opens the door for him, too, to do sure. more Star Wars stuff. Absolutely. Which I don't see why how the guy that did Willow isn't already doing a Star Wars right, movie. Right, exactly. Um, speaking of which, <laughs> <laughs> Dave Bautista is doing, uh, supposedly he's tr beating the drums for this, it's an old comic from the 80s called Eternal Warrior. Dave Bautista seems to be able to write his own ticket. He's doing more movies. Dude, than he's, he's doing great. He's doing great, you know, uh, with his star turn in... Um, the Guardians of the mm -hmm. Galaxy movie. He's got a role in the new Blade Runner thing. Yeah, he's yeah, in, just like absolutely. Oh, holy shit, he's in the scene that I'm most excited about. That scene that uh, Hampton uh, Fancher first, you know, we hear him talk about the scene with like this guy cooking soup on a stove. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's yeah. like oh shit, we get to see that scene in it's the like, uh, in the documentary. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Very cool. Uh, and then they. Last week we talked about them talking about. I say we weren't going to do a lot of comic book stuff, but this right. is comic. Um, Doctor, a Doctor Doom movie, and uh, they're circling around Mads Mikkelsen as Doctor Doom. Sure, I'm in. Okay, that makes me go. Sure, absolutely. That guy would get it, and you wouldn't have to be sketchy about his accent. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited for that. Uh, let's see, Nicholas Meyer, who did Wrath of Khan in Undiscovered Country. Um, wants to do a con prequel. Um, oh, okay. Well, I guess. Sure. Sure. Why not? Sure. Did, wasn't that the space seed, the episode of Star Trek? Yeah. Or, yeah or were they yeah. talking maybe before that? I don't know. Um, I think it's obliquely. Star Trek, Star Wars, same I, thing. I don't, I don't, get don't it. care. Langley's making the jacking off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I put this up on my Facebook feed, but um, Netflix has released 20 hard to find. Hard to find black pioneer movies from Kino Lorber's Pioneers of Black Cinema. Yeah, box that like, yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, I added a bunch of them to my queue, and I'm gonna try to get make my way through them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's great. I'd love to see them do the same thing for Asian cinema. I like to see them do it, you know, across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a documentary coming out um, called the 
Rocker? Rumble? Anyway, it's about American Indians in, in um, modern music. Oh. Uh, Rumble. About, yeah, Rumble. Rumble, yeah, Rumble. Yeah, yeah, talks about yeah. Link Ray. Yeah, Link Ray, like, and who even realized that Link Ray was a Native American? <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a few in there. You go, yeah. Steven Tyler. Yeah. You know. Um, Super Troopers 2 has finished production. <laughs> okay. Uh, my daughter's a huge Super Troopers fan. <laughs> and I know people that love that movie. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. love all that Broken Lizard stuff. Right. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, primarily, from what I could tell, crowdfunded. Okay, know? cool. So um, we're excited about that. Uh, people are hating Dark Tower. Hating. Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like I need to give it a chance. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I guess the big caveat here is that I didn't like the Dark Tower. The books? uh, The books. I, I, I found the first three really cool. By the end of the third one, it was a slog. And then when I went on to the next one. They're in it. Eight. I never finished it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, you know, I'm sorry. I just I don't I don't get it. After Mike Gingold, who was the ex editor of Fango and was a guest right. on this show, um, was talking about how it t- turned an expansive property into a YA novel. Mm-hmm. And it, everyone's telling me that they're they're just touching on things that were really important and really really deep in the book. Um, to make it into a two-hour right plus right. film, and that's oh no, really ninety-minute film. Ninety minutes. That's that's the that's Jesus. I, that's what I keep hearing is that it's like holy shit, this movie's only ninety minutes long, which is fine. Tom and I both rail against movies that, that are too long. That are too long. Yeah. But this is a huge. If you're gonna huge, do a two and a half hour movie, yeah, the Dark it, uh, Tower seems is, to be seems right exactly. Wow. I I. I'm going to reserve, you know, uh, mm-hmm. my opinion until after. Well, I've you seen know, I know, I know people that are hardcore fans that um, they were like uh, John Scaleri, a, a buddy of mine. He does uh, he does um, some great books on um, Robert McCrary's uh-huh. drawings for um, Star Wars. But um, he was saying the when he went to see it, and the first thing he posted on Facebook was, uh, "Well, we'll always have the books." <laughs> And it's like, ouch, you know. Which is too bad because look at the talent that's there. But they start yeah, agreed. But they started spinning it early on, saying like, wait, wait, this isn't the books. It's like sort of, it's a riff. It's, it's a, a yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I almost wonder if at that point they were hedging their bets a little. Well, bit. what I'm what I would be interested to see is if I, as not a fan of the series mm-hmm. of books. I'm gonna like the movie, right? You know, it it could very well be a, like a Dune thing where you know it's like, oh, you're you know the fans are gonna go, why didn't you include this? Right. But your average person who's never read the book, it doesn't, doesn't matter. care. Right. Yeah, they yeah, just yeah, buzz yeah. right by it. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I I do. St- I'm starting to see people say, you know, one article I read said, you know, Idris Elba is way too good for this movie. Mm-hmm. So you know, bonus for that. Okay. Um. So anyway. There's, um, a, there's a lot of movies out right now that are, uh, quote-unquote, underperforming. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of me goes, well, of course, because you've got this ridiculous model where you have to make 
all your money back in the in the opening weekend. Right. That's a stupid model. Right. The, well, the, like, that could bite you in the ass. Look at Valerian. What happened with Valerian? Right. Exactly. 180 million and made like six. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, which is, I haven't seen Valerian yet. I haven't either. But I, I really want to because it really looks good. I've read reviews, uh, from my friends who have gone and seen it, and they're like. Pay no attention to what people are saying. Okay, this is cool. a this is a badass movie. I keep hearing pretty. The word pretty. You know, uh, I'm reminded of John Carter. Right. Um, it which feels was, a lot like which John was Carter. Dead on Arrival, and that's an amazing movie. I fucking love that. Movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, I. It's too bad. So we'll we'll see how it all washes out. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm I'm, I'm thinking this might be the summer that drives the nail home. This like. The big blockbuster, at least for now, mm-hmm. is done, yeah. and we're well, going to start paying attention to these smaller independent yeah, films. Yeah, let's leave leave that to Marvel, and let's leave all that. Right, and, right, yeah. And you know, I think what I'm kind of starting to see it, and and I'll get into that in a second. Um, Six Flags is doing a Wonder Woman attraction. They already have a Superman and a Batman. Why wouldn't they? Sure, sure. it's going to be another ride. Right. Netflix announced twelve anime series. Um, coming uh, to their streaming service. That's crazy. I worry about Netflix because Netflix, I think, is is producing a lot of really great content, mm-hmm. and I and I see the amount of content, and I just worry that like there's no way you guys are going to be able to make well, money. Agreed. Yeah. On the other hand, there's it's worldwide. Sure. So I am continually like usually if I see a new stand-up special come up, I'll mm-hmm. watch it. Right. And increasingly, I'm hitting buttons on stuff, and the person, it's subtitled. It's, they're, they're Dutch, they're Spanish. Sure. And, and so I think that their, their focus isn't just the American market anymore. It's, it's look at all the Korean um, love dramas they have. Right. There's hundreds of them on, yeah, yeah, on yeah. there. Right. Um, so I think their eye is on a more global, global. thing. Um, but I, I agree. They certainly seem to have a lot of money to throw around. Yeah. And them and Amazon. And, and it makes, so far, it's been pretty good. So far, it's been good. I, I just worry. To like, like be careful. Yeah. Be careful, God damn it. Yeah, it's like anything. It's like it's like Tabasco. It's good, and then it's too much. <laughs> um, some of the ti- Two of the titles I wanted to mention that they're talking about is Devilman Crybaby, if anyone is a fan of the Devilman series. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, a thing called Cannon Busters. It's by the guy who did uh, Boondocks. I know there's a lot of Boondocks fans. Sure, sure. So there's that. Uh, let's see, moving on to trailers. I, I This is where I've purposely been ejecting stuff. Right. There was a lot of trailers this week. A lot of them were stuff that, you you've already seen by a different name, right? So we'll we're gonna avoid that. Uh, going down the list, um, WGN has a new serial killer thing called Bellevue with Anna Panquin. Yeah, so the trailer for this, I was watching it and I'm like, parts of this look really interesting, and then it just, I don't know. I think it needed a better trailer because, like, I just feel like it's so scattered. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not sure which movie I'm or which <laughs> series I'm watching. It kind of feels like The Killing. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it's television. So sooner or later, we're gonna there's gonna be, you know, who's fucking who and, and right. all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wish I almost wish it was tighter. Mm-hmm. Maybe four, five, six episodes right. and then done. 
Right. Or at least just show me that. Don't show me all the stuff. Because, like, now I feel like this looks way too scattered for me. You right. Know? Right. But, I, you know, the fact that it's... I'm hoping on the fact that it's TV and maybe it'll... Yeah. It'll... As it... Don't, don't get me wrong. It all looks cool. Mm-hmm. It just, like... Like, which storyline am, am, am I yeah. Is it a serial killer thing? Yeah. Is it this supernatural thing? Is it the serial killer that visited you when you were a kid? And right. It exactly. goes on and on. Um, next up, I'm going through these alphabetically. Uh, Army Hammer, who was in Lone Ranger and Man from Uncle. Right. In a movie, <laughs> We've talked about on the show before. A lot, yeah. yeah. Uh, is in a movie now called Call Me, Call Me By Your Name, which looks to be a gay love story. Yes. And um, handled seemingly pretty deftly. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the music that they play during the trailer is what makes it feel to me... Like, the trailer felt like it was epitomized by the music. And it was like, unless I'm in the mood... Like I don't uh, want to watch this. It's like yeah. it just—it—it it seems so. I don't know, airy. Yeah. Or ethereal. I don't know. It, well, it see, on one hand, it did strike me when it as soon as the trailer started to play out, I thought, oh, this is Army Hammer's gay film. Right. And um and but it also seems to be, everything seems to be conducted with a bit of earnestness. So. Yeah. Kudos. Uh, yeah, I it, think it's important to show love stories that are 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 not so of the norm, uh, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for it. I probably won't go see it in the theater. Agreed. This uh, is the DVD. Film. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, next up, a movie called Clash um, about uh, during some riots in Egypt, they throw a bunch of people into a paddy wagon. And that's their pressure cooker. And that's and that's and that's a cool and interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Is that it's it's like it looks like everything that we're following is happening within the confines of this truck. Yeah. And uh, and that looks very cool. Yeah, very 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 cool. Yeah, I think that it's always interesting to see that kind of any kind of narrative that you're somewhat used to. I love to see it played out through another culture's eyes. I, well, I love that it. This is an Egyptian film. Yeah. It's not a film about Egypt. It's mm-hmm. an Egyptian film. This is an Argo. So, or no, no, no. Whatever. Yeah. And so, so that's that's very cool. I look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, mm-hmm. Eli Roth's Death Wish. Damn it. Okay. So. <laughs> I. I I was reading something. One of our mutual friends had posted something about, well, I'm not on the Eli Roth hate train like a lot of you crybabies. Um, <laughs> and that was Sean. Sean Lewis. <laughs> that was Sean. It was Sean Lewis. We had Sean on as a guest on the full chip. Um, I've never been a fan of Eli Roth's, really. Um, it, I think it's, well, one, I think it's interesting that he's tackling stuff outside of the kind of his, you know, torture porn, mm-hmm. bro horror uh, stuff that he normally does. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, I don't think Death Wish needs to be remade. It, uh, it's, you know, it, it for one thing, times have changed. And while that's reflected in this movie, um, I, I guess, I, you know, I, I guess my biggest problem is I don't buy Bruce Willis as the 
avenging vigilante that I can get behind. I don't buy him as the regular guy. No. So, right, exactly. So, and that's what this hinges that's, on. Yeah, exactly. I didn't buy, I'll be honest, even though it's a great movie, I didn't buy Chuck Connor or Chuck uh, Charles Bronson as a regular guy. Sure. Um, put that in the hands of someone who is a regular guy, like, I don't know, John Cryer. And I right, think right, Now right. you've got something interesting. Or kind of what they did with the, um, well, the Jodie Foster movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jodie Foster movie, or even going back, Straw Dogs. Yeah. Where, where Dustin Hoffman yeah. is put into this uh, situation. I will also say that, unlike you, I won't even give him that much. I think Eli Roth is a hack. I think I, there's not a single one of his films that I haven't absolutely hated. Right. Um, so when I see him doing things like the Green Inferno and knowing that, I mean, he's a he, it's not plagiarism, but there's not too many original he's, ideas bouncing like, around in that like empty head of his. Yeah, it's like he's a Tarantino without the talent. Yeah. Or the the Tarantino. I've always said, and I said it on the episode, I'm sure. I think he's the most successful plagiarist there is. That he, yeah. He steals so expertly and stitches them together so expertly that people forget how hard that is, and that's where you get to Eli Roth. Right. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. there's that. I, I couldn't care less about I, this. I am not looking forward it's to It's already... I just was mentioned to you outside before we came in that um, it's already... People are already labeling it pretty... It's being sort of embraced by the alt-right, uh-huh. um, which is a little disturbing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, couldn't care. One thing I do want to... Before I go on to the next one, I forgot. Um, they're doing the news. Uh, I bring it up because of our mutual love of Bruce Lee, that this Birth of the Dragon thing came out. Yeah. And Shannon Lee came out... I was really surprised. ...bitching about it. Yeah. I thought that if there was any money involved, she would be all over it. Yeah, because, to be honest... She has done some things that we have found questionable in the past. Sure. When it comes to Bruce the mar- Lee. The merchandising and, is Yeah, the merchandising and stuff like that. Um, so it was, I, I, was, I was happy to see that. I was mm-hmm. happy to see this, like... Because Tom and I both, when this trailer came out, we were like, oh. God damn it, you motherfuckers. It's, like, it's just stop it. It's pure fabrication. It's so stupid. But the question I have is, is if, if, if the foundation is so protective of the, their rights... Right. How does this get out? How does it get made? Yeah. yeah. Do they just take the check and say, okay, and we can shit all over it later, which is kind of shitty. Yeah, right. But or, or, or is it that he's such a figure that we don't need to worry about that anymore? We can I, tell stories. I don't know. I don't know. If anyone I don't knows. Know. I, it just, anyway. It looks terrible. But I thought it was, I agree with you. It, it, in it the midst cool. of, of her carnival barking. Right. <laughs> she actually came out and was like, yeah, this is this is a problem. Yeah. It's just... And that was cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, documentary on a film um, about called, it's called Dolores. It's about essentially Cesar Chavez's right-hand woman. Yeah. And that looks really cool. Looks definitely going to watch it on Netflix. Yep, yep, yep. Won't see it at the art house where it's undoubtedly going to play. Sure, sure. Uh, but it's, again, it's, it's this slow documenting of people who just as easily could have just faded into the right i think that the the premise being that that this lady was just as important as as chavez and chavez is on a stamp in um organizing Mm -hmm. um farm laborers in california she was a huge part of that and uh it, it, it looks it looks great i kept thinking the old adage about you know behind every great man is a great woman yeah and absolutely. here this this looks like that it's like very thing yeah uh let's see um coming up first they killed my father angelina julie's new movie 
Yeah. It's about um, a, a Vietnam, a girl who is signed in a... She gets brought into those child armies. Right. And it's written by Jolie and this girl. Yeah, it's about, uh, it's about uh, Cambodia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks really good. It looks really good. And it feel the... She's really, Angelina Jolie, she's really getting her own visual sense. Yeah. You know? Um, I do think she, she her movies run a little long. Mm-hmm. Um, the last couple have been at least a half hour too long. Um, but this thing looks super good. It looks really good. And to be fair, most movies that we see are about half an hour too long. About half an hour too long. Next up, uh, a film that I didn't know was coming, and I didn't even know I wanted it. But um, Goodbye, Christopher Robin. Dude, that looks badass. That was, that was the out of all the trailers this week. I'm like, that's the one I really want to see. Like, that's yeah. the one that I'm really. It's excited getting a about. great reception online. It looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I just. It goes back to what we were saying earlier with Clayton about, you know, you, where creative people get their influences. Right. And this just seems like, this guy who wrote the Winnie the Pooh stuff, um, all of his influences were right in front of him, and yeah. it just took. Maybe objectivity or something to shake him out of that and be able to see it. Uh, and I think it looks great. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of Neverland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Finding, Lever- uh, Finding, Finding Neverland. Finding Neverland, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was something else. There was something else. Uh, some other trailer in recent history. Uh, the uh, Catcher in the Rye thing that just was last week. No, no. There, oh. there was something else. Um, it was about in, ultimately about a kid's book. Huh. And I can't, remember, I can't remember it now. There's been two or three of these things that could pop up recently and i'm just well, like finding mr banks was over. kind of man finding mr banks is great yeah that's a great movie yeah yeah, yeah it yeah. really is but even see, if you're not a mary poppins fan yeah right right exactly if you're a fan of movies like you need to see that movie sure sure yeah. tom tom hanks yeah. Anna thompson um again i'm trying to get, to find things that are a little off the beaten track sure and, and this thing good manners it's a brazilian uh werewolf movie um Interesting. Again, I love seeing a a genre filtered through another culture sensibility, right. and this seems that way. Absolutely. Um, probably won't see it in the movie theater. Probably will see it if it comes we'll on. We'll see it at some point. Showtime yeah. or whatever. It does look cool. Yeah. Um, next up, a documentary um, on a, an artist named Suzanne Ciani. It, the movie is called A Life in Waves. Suzanne Ciani is one of the... She's one of those building blocks of electronic music. Dude. Wendy Carlos, Walter man, Carlos, when Susan I, Ciani, um, Ray Lynch with Deep yeah, Breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I saw the trailer for this, I was just like... Mm, I was just like electric like all over me. I'm just yeah. like, I want to see this so bad. Like, it looks so cool. Yeah, because it's early days. It's yeah. big boards with wires everywhere. Yeah, you're having to like... Um, it's like a like an operator switch. It's like um, Geraldine, the, the yeah, operator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she's having to like move things around and like all these yeah. fucking buttons. Dude, it looks great. Her, she... She's got... Um, a couple of records that are really good. Yeah. I mean, they're new age, so you got to kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Skew you, it you that gotta way. be in that mood. Exactly. Uh, let's see. This thing I was really excited about: Mind Hunter, Netflix series um, on the early yeah. days of forensic science. Uh, forensic science, uh, in particular, the early days of criminal uh, profiling. Profiling. Yeah. I'm, 
I don't know. There there was a book at one point called Mindhunter about the dude. I forget his name, but he worked for the FBI. Right. It was like, you know. It's cool because the trailer's showing us the static that they're running into trying to convince people uh-huh. that uh, this is important, that you need to figure out what's in the mind of these guys. Right. You know, uh, right. interview them. And, 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 and hearing them say stuff like, you know, the guy goes, you know, he's a serial killer. And the guy's like, serial killer? Well, what is that? that he's name? like, yeah. new terminology. And it's like, wow. That at some point, this, the word serial killer was not... And that it took convincing. Yeah. You know, that's the weird part for me. But yeah, it looks great. Um, and that's a series, right? Yeah. Yeah. A couple more. Uh, novitiate. Uh, woman goes going into a nunnery. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not a fan of nunsploitation, because I think it's all kind of weird and perverted. Well, uh, but, but this, this I, isn't I don't think this doesn't, uh, Yeah, I don't think this fits that. It's not as... Uh, a narrative like Agnes of God. No, it reminds me more of um, what was that movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yeah, about uh, the the accusations. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It, Glenn it, Close was in it. Yeah. It, um, this thing, from what I can tell, the reason to see it is M- Melissa Leo. Yeah. As the Reverend Mother. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! That woman is so good in everything. So we're looking at we're looking at a a, a place where. For lack of a better word, this institution mm-hmm. has been set up, and she has been afforded, you know, this certain amount of power. Mm-hmm. And now the powers that be are saying, "Hey, we need to change our tactics." Right. And we kind of see all this through a young um, novice right. that's coming through, through. That's coming through. Yeah. 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 And uh, it looks very interesting. It's beautiful. I love those kind of things behind the curtain. I may mention this before, but I used to work at a funeral home that we had a contract with a lo- local um, diocese mm-hmm. that there was a place that was like a retirement home mm-hmm. for nuns and priests. Mm-hmm. And we would, whenever there was a death out there, we would get called out there, and we would do not only the services for the the priest or the or the nun, but mm-hmm. also all the prep work. Sure. And um, you know. That was that was very odd doing doing prep work on someone who you know is a nun. Well, I, I'm interested any time that we see somebody who's in one of these positions having to expose their humanity. Mm-hmm. That before they were Reverend Mother, mother they were Person. Geraldine, whoever yeah, yeah, from yeah, yeah, Hoboken, yeah, yeah. or you know, and that there's a real there's a human being, there's a real person mm-hmm. there with their own history, yeah, and. I, I, so I, I find that endlessly fascinating. One of my favorite things about the second season of um, uh, American Horror Story mm-hmm. was watching Jessica Lane's character having to deal with, you know, she was an alcoholic, she was all these yeah, things, yeah. before she became this um, nun that was in charge of everything mm-hmm. and basically was kind of held above all these human frailties. And yeah. in, in this, we, we do see a scene where this, this Reverend Mother is, like, talking about her basically losing power. Yeah. Yeah. And she's old school. She's hand, handing out things to self-flagellate. And right, exactly. Yeah, 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 it looks great. Yeah. Um, next up, a movie called Shot. Very Crash-like movie with uh, Noah Wiley about a guy that gets shot and then rehabs and then ultimately gets him, him in the room with the person who with shot him. With the person who shot him, who, as it turns out, is 
just just some, some kid. kid who did something dumb. Yeah, it reminds me of Crash, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Haggis film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it looks cool. It looks interesting. Very drama. Yeah. Very you know. Uh, and then finally, um, this is the one that that really came out of nowhere, and that's Super Dark Times. Um, very River's Edge about some kids who clearly one of them kills another. Right. And the rest of them have this agreement to keep it quiet and how it all comes undone. Right. Yeah, and it and uh it's in I like the trailer because it didn't tell me exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you infer all this stuff. Um but you don't know you don't know the circumstances. Right. Was it a justified killing if there is such a thing? Was yeah, it yeah. you know, you, you don't really know. But it talks about this like confederacy that's formed that right. it's is like only as yeah, yeah, it's only as strong as weakest link. link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks, it, it does look good. And I and so uh, the trailers this week, for at least for our show, are full of drama. Yeah, drama and good acting. Well, you know, again, I mean, you know, we never talked about the, and we we obliquely talked about the Thor Ragnarok thing. But at this point, I think you're either in the bag on that kind of stuff or right. not. A lot of the horror film trailers I'm seeing now. They're they're not particularly inventive. I'll be honest. It's mm-hmm. a bleak time for for genre. It is. It is. Um, the, one of the reasons why I was excited about this show today was that, at the very least, this movie, it stands the sands red, mm-hmm. uh, is doing something different. You know. Yeah. And, it, it it goes back to what we've talked about before. It's like, well, you know, it, at that level, at any at, at a certain level where you're, you know, getting distribution is going to be hard and getting getting your film out there is going to be hard and you, you know, what have you. I just don't understand why you aren't trying. Why not? Why are you not trying something different? Why are you not thinking? Swing for the fences. Like, because why not? Why not? Why not? Like if, because if you do something pedestrian, your chance, you know, you're, you're one of a sea of, People right. who are doing the same things, right? And uh, that's what I liked about this was that it was it was something different. It's too bad it's not a theatrical movie mm-hmm. where where it's getting a big wide theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, that shows too that like you know you don't you don't have to be that guy in this day and age. You can you can sell your movie to all these different digital. Yeah, um, exactly. It, it, it's the whole democratization. Of, right. You know, used to be the idea of you know getting your hands on a red was ridiculous. Yeah. And now everyone that now we talk to uses, uses a red. Yeah. All right. Um, I just want to I, I want to say again before before we do go that uh, this movie is beautiful. Like yeah. if you if you get off on good cinematography, um, check out Clayton's work because. It's really pretty. Yeah, the film, the Clayton's work in this film is, is great. Yeah. Um, I it, it's it's a low budget horror film. I I'll be honest. I there were there were parts of the script that I were a little tough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I it it, it 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 sort of betrayed its its craft. Right. And that's fine. And I'm not shitting on. It. I'm no, just no, saying no. that there were moments where I thought, ah, clearly well, here's that construct. Again. Right. Exactly. Um. But I'll tell you what, of all the things I've seen in the last couple of months um, that is is new, this is clearly the most inventive. It looks top flight. There's a couple of there's a couple of things in this movie that that happened, and whenever they happen, I'm like, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, 
um, and, and that I would have never, I would have never thought of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna give away one. Sure. I, I'm gonna give away one. Um, there's a scene where there, where our protagonist, this, we didn't ever, t- we didn't really talk about what the movie's about. Basically, it comes down to stripping away all the plot elements, other than it comes down to a girl in the desert, and there's a single zombie. Yeah, this isn't hordes of zombies. No, this isn't hordes of zombies. There's like this one zombie that is just following her and wants to eat her. And it makes the most sense in that. Yeah. Because as soon as you add a group of them, now it's just a long picture. Right, exactly. But, yeah. And and that's why Tom kept alluding to the Hitcher, because the Hitcher's basically that. It's Mm -hmm. this one guy. guy, It's this one dude who isn't going away. And I didn't mean in any way that it, it turns the sands red is derivative of the hitcher. It just mines a lot of that same. There's, there's so much there that is like, yeah. it, and in a good way. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a, a, this would be, you know, this would be a great double feature sure. to do the hitcher and this movie in a uh, night. You know, and I would also say if you want to keep it zombie related, the afford, uh, the aforementioned, um, Ford brothers, the dead, yeah, the, the South African, yeah, the South African. Yeah, um, yeah, have yeah. you seen anything the last week that was good? Um, what have I been watching? Um, I <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm a, a, a member of the Stan Winston, uh, oh, okay. school. Um, yeah. Which is for for folks who don't know, it's basically you pay money each month to uh, have access to a certain number of lessons that are taught to you by uh, effects artists and and people like that. And uh, I've been watching a lot of Casey Love's new uh, sculpting uh, thing. So if you're <laughs> if you're that guy, you should definitely check that out. I also went back and watched Crumb again. Oh, um, good. Just because That's it's such an, a fascinating, you know, Crumb is one of those documentaries that I think that I think that most great documentaries. This is what happens. You start out with the idea of like this is our subject, and then inadvertently through following them, you find out there's a completely different story there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so while it's well, it's a, a, a overtly this this story about Robert Crumb. It's really about his family mm-hmm. and and how sad um, that story is. Right. And 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 it also gives you insight into where Robert Crumb comes from. It's a it's a fantastic, absolutely. Fantastic Terry Terry Zwigoff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the director. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's good stuff. Uh, so right on. yeah, if you. If, for especially for artist fans, I also re- went back. I've been I've been doing a lot of work lately because I'm doing I'm working on the Bleeding Ham stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, my go-to for that kind of stuff is documentaries about artists and weirdos and other people mm-hmm. like me. And so uh, Crumb was on. Um, the Devil and Daniel Johnston was on. Who, by the way, I see is doing his last tour ever. He's retiring. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so, know me. Um, oh sure. Yeah, you know the, oh, sure. the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. you know the know me song, uh, uh, stuff like that. I yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker for for documentaries about weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, go to my website for what I've been watching. But I will bring up one thing that I I um, recently rewatched and and actually liked better the second time, and that's uh, Gina Carano and Haywire. Oh yeah. Um, 
good fighting. Yeah. Um, uh, has one of the greatest man-woman fight scenes of ever. Her mm. against Michael Fassbender. Sure. Uh, and it looks like they're really going for it. Yeah. Um, took a little sh- shitting on when it first came out. Um, but there's some solid stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also throw out a name, uh, uh, Make Out With Violence. Um, uh, it's okay. Kill Theory, Hundred Tears. Hundred Tears is terrible. It's a clown movie. Right. Um, I loved your review for Hundred Tears. Yeah. I just hated it. <laughs> it's horrible. And I just don't get the whole clown thing. Because I always... I, uh, I, I don't share that fear of clowns thing. Right. And I just feel like, really? I always so, feel... You know the, the overriding feeling that I've always gotten, even as a kid, around clowns? Is I feel sorry for them. I always feel like well, that was that was, was their shock and trade. They was seem sad to yeah. me. Emma Kelly and yeah, you know the, you and then you go back to like Pagliacci yeah. and all that. Other I think a lot of this scary clown st- uh, clown stuff started with it. Yeah, you know. Um, and by the way, looks good. It's looking good. Everything I'm seeing looks good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm excited for it. Before we head out of here, do you? Let's go through some recommendations. We've talked about what we've been watching. Have you been listening to anything good? Um, yeah, actually, um, I had gone back and uh, listened, listened to um, an album called Krampus Knocked. Okay. Um, which is uh, the only CD produced by one of my favorite bands. Again, I, I did this. I did this last time we talked about albums. Um, one of my favorite bands from back home, uh-huh. and that was the Bourbonites. The Bourbonites? Yeah, the Bourbonites. Wait, Bourbonites or Bourbon? Well, it's Knights. spelled Bourbon Knights, right? Like, like like Knights of in white satin. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Bourbon Knights, but when you say it, most people say the Bourbon the Knights. The Bourbon Knights. And um, they were uh, a band in Southern Illinois who w- were primarily this, you know, known for their live performances, and they kind of did. Boy, how do you describe it? It's almost Gogol Bordello oh, okay. uh, type stuff. Um, it's 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 a cross between like um, Irish or German drinking songs. Okay. Um, pirate shanty. Uh, there's German thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great stuff. Right on. And uh, and oddly, the um, the the violin player uh, Tilly uh, lives here in Bellingham, Washington. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So uh, uh, there was like a, there was this epic chase for me to try to get the CD because there was only a certain number of them made. Yeah. And I was happened to be living there at the time that they were doing all this stuff. And I never did get a CD, so like it was like it was really hard for me to track the CD down. But uh, there, you can find them on YouTube in different places. You should definitely check out the Bourbonites if you are uh, a fan of that type of music. It's mm-hmm. the it's the type of band that if you ever saw them live, and of course you're not going to anymore. Some of the members are gone now. There's been a few tragic deaths, and 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 it was the kind of band where like. You didn't know if there was going to be 10 people on stage or 15. Like, it was a big band. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was always a religious experience. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was a good time. Right on. Um, two things. One, a group called Chibo, Chibomata, um, Japanese girl, Sean Lennon. Not Sean Lennon. Sean Lennon, yeah. Yeah. 
Sean Lennon is in the band. Okay. Um, super poppy. She's Japanese. Uh-huh. Um, uh, if you look up a song called Moonchild, it's really good. It sound, sounds very much kind of... Without all the 60s patina on it, it's it, it's kind of reminiscent of things like Pizzicato 5 and that okay. kind of stuff. The other thing I was listening to was uh, a live album by a guy named Pokey Lafarge. He does old school, like, 20s, 30s music. Um, look up a song called Drinking Whiskey Tonight, mm-hmm. and it's... it's well, it's a name simple. like Pokey. Yeah. I mean, literally, there's a guy, his percussionist guy is um, has a single bass drum, washboard. Uh, sure. On, he has a washboard on his across his chest like, yeah, it's yeah. A rock, like he's a rock star. It's good stuff. Um, what are you reading? And we'll get out of here. Uh... uh I, well, I've, I finally finished um, The Secret History of Twin Peaks, which has helped me a lot in, in this new... <laughs> deciphering. <laughs> yeah, deciphering. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm I'm currently reading um, The Resurrectionist. Oh, um, oh, cool. Which is a very cool book. And, and I was unprepared. I don't remember the author's name. But it's a, uh, it's a fake uh, biography of this guy who decided that he believed in these mythical creatures like centaurs and things, Mm -hmm. and rather than looking for them, he decided to create them. Oh, cool. So he's, like, taking cadavers and sewing them together. Uh uh, So he's, like, you know, got, like, the torso of some dude sewed to a horse. And, uh... Sure. And and it has, like, all the medical... um, the skeletal layouts of what he had planned. Oh, very cool. It's a very cool book. If you, if you get a chance, check it out. It's called The Resurrectionist. Uh, I'm reading uh, a book called The Convulsion Factory. It's a short story collection by a guy named Brian Hodge. Brian. We was, talked about Brian. Brian uh, yeah, with David. Show. Yeah, yeah. Brian is a guy who I think is one of the best short story writers working out there. His his story, the dripping from sundered wineskins and Godflesh in Convulsion Factory, Godflesh is so good. It's about a secret fetish society that this girl sort of wanders into, where they um, um, willingly lop off portions of their anatomy, uh-huh. either you know amputees or whatever. Right. And um, it, it's just really he's really good. I want to get him on the show. He he used to write for us for Carpen Octum, and I, and I want to get him on the show because I want to talk, you know, processing crap with that guy. Sure, sure. So we'll probably do that. Um, coming up next week, we we're doing a show on um, Indiana Jones. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Uh, Indiana Jones is one of those things that's like you know it it, it was so much a part of a certain time of my life mm-hmm. that I didn't pay. It was kind of like the Eagles. Right? Every time you turn on the fucking radio, the Eagles is on. And so you just kind of stop paying attention, right? And that was how it was with Indiana Jones. And I went back recently and and checked out Indiana Jones, the first one. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, God damn it, this is a fucking good movie. Yeah. We got a guy, he's a local guy named Chris Birch. Um, He writes under the name C.K. Birch. Uh, Writes a lot of that kind of stuff. And um, is a big fan of the stuff. I think it'll be interesting because um, 
it's an elephant in the room. It's one of those franchises that we should all, we should get to all of them at yeah, some point. Absolutely. It's just finding the right people. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll we'll work that out. And then coming up, we've got we've got a bunch of we, got we a bunch have a of good we stuff. have a bunch of people we're booked on that. through November yeah. with guests. So <laughs> get get used to that idea. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Um, if you can reach out to us on Facebook or uh, on Facebook, or Twitter. Yeah, we're on Twitter, on Facebook, but Facebook is probably Twitter, easier. Um, and Messenger, then like the know, like the uh, the show's page on Facebook. Facebook and um, give us some feedback. Let us know what you like and what you didn't like. Write it on a wall somewhere, preferably <laughs> in someone's blood, and uh, we'll be all over it. Alrighty, man. Thanks. We'll see you next week for the Bonus Material Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary.